0: And if you want to learn even more about Thorn, go to episode 323 of Behind the Shield podcast and you will hear my interview with Wes Barnett and Joel Totoro from Thorn. This episode is sponsored by 5.11, a company that I've used for well over a decade and continue to use to this day. And 5.11 is offering you guys, the audience of the Behind the Shield podcast, a discount on every purchase you make with them. you will get 15% off, not just that one purchase, but every time you visit their store. And if you want to learn more about 5.11, their mission, their products, then listen to episode 338 of the Behind the Shield podcast with the CEO and founder, Francisco Morales. Welcome to episode 563 of Behind the Shield podcast. As always, my name is James Gearing, and this week it is my absolute honor to welcome back on the show... Danielle Cook-Kawash and Mike Salemi. Now, I had both Danielle and Mike individually on separate episodes, but now they've come together as they are two of the three main members of First In Wellness. So we discuss a host of topics from what they've seen through their eyes, not only in the first responder, but also the civilian world when it comes to strength, conditioning, nutrition, and wellness. Mental health, kettlebell training, wearables, And they're introducing some of their new programs, including a challenge. If you listen to this as soon as it comes out, there will be one on January 18th. And then the fitness program and the 90 day resilience program. We will have discounts for both of those on the show notes for this show as well at jamesgearing.com. Before we get to this incredible episode, as I say every single week, please just take a moment, go to whichever app you listen to this on, subscribe to the show, leave feedback and leave a rating. Every single five-star rating truly does elevate this podcast, making it easier for others to find. And this is a free library for you, planet Earth. So all I ask in return is that you help share these incredible men and women's stories so I can get them to every single person who needs to hear them. So with that being said, I welcome back Danielle Cook-Kowash and Mike Salemi. Enjoy. So, Danielle and Mike, I want to start by welcoming you both back to the podcast. Danielle, you were here on episode 353. Mike was episode 254. And Simon, your kind of third leg of the stool was uh, episode 364. So, I want to begin just by welcoming you back. Thanks
1: so much
0: for having us on again. All right. So, is this the first time you guys have done a podcast together? Because I looked before and couldn't find the both of you at the same time.
1: We, we actually just did one last week with uh, JT on Consequence of Habit. Oh, so that So it's not out. Well, might be out by the time this one's out, but yeah. Um, but that was our first one together, and it was a lot of fun. I, I like doing podcasts with Mike.
0: Brilliant. Uh, all right. Well, then, this is just this is an opening question then. Um, where are we finding
2: you both on planet Earth today?
1: Um, so I'm in Santa Cruz, California.
2: And I'm in Foster City, so still Bay Area, but like Danielle and I are probably like maybe less than about an hour apart. She lives uh, in like beautiful mountains, ocean. I'm kind of like in uh, still a nice area, but this whole city was actually built on landfill. So it could go any moment. Who knows? (laughs) Let's talk about wellness as you sit
0: in a house that's about to explode. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. All right. Well, again, the reason I labeled those other episodes, we you know went in depth with both of your journeys from beginning through to kind of about a year ago. So I'll leave that for everyone. But if you just want to give me a quick summary of your background and then kind of lead me through to where you guys met. So I'll start with you, Danielle.
1: Sure. So I'm a trained in dietetics, a trained dietitian, and I started off in hospitals and went to specializing in uh, kind of the intravenous and tube feeding stuff and then diabetes. And then I got sick myself and really lost my health. And then I kind of went searching outside of the conventional system and landed on functional medicine, which is basically just a root cause approach to, to fixing you. So rather than, you know, matching a pill to the ill, We try to find what the root cause of your symptoms are, hope to alleviate the symptoms, but also address whatever is causing those symptoms. And so um, I got into working with first responders, specifically firefighters, while I was working at a clinic as a health and wellness coach slash dietitian, and it was a functional medicine clinic. And we were asked to do a a wellness program for for, um, the recruit class for Berkeley Fire Department. And it was really my my first experience working with firefighters. And this is about, I think, about four years ago. And I, I learned a lot about the fire service and that but specifically I started to um, become aware of the one, the sacrifices that you make. I used to think it was just, you know, running into a burning building and that was a sacrifice, but there's a lot more to the backstory there. And, and I really started to realize like, wow, you, you men and women are really putting your health on the line and um, making a lot of sacrifices and, you know, we, I just started thinking, you know, it doesn't have to be like this. There are little things that you can be doing that can really help to maintain health and wellness. And so not things that you have to totally change your life over, not massive um, things that you have to do, but just little tiny things that can have remarkable um, outcomes. And so, we started, we also did after that, we did a um, a wellness program with Santa Clara Fire Department and we did a cancer module. And that's when I really started looking at the research and um, really became inspired to help to support our first responders that are out there saving our lives every day, and, and I wanted to be one little part in the cog, uh, one little cog in the whole machine of supporting them. So I quit my job and started First in Wellness, and um, in, at Santa Clara Fire Department is where I met Mike. Mike was doing the fitness portion of the wellness program, and I was more in the support of the lifestyle side, and loved working with Mike, loved his approach. We really clicked um, professionally. And so when I branched off to do to doing first in wellness, I approached Mike to see if he wanted to be a part of it. And luckily, he said yes. And so that's kind of where our relationship started and and how we started working together.
0: Beautiful. Well, just before we go to Mike, I had a guy on um, Paul Tiller, who's a firefighter. And he he was married, had children. They ended up separating, but his former wife got ALS. And he yeah. ended up you know nursing her through the whole palliative care phase and had this observation of the terrible quality of the nutritional supplements that are pumped into these patients. So he actually created a product called Heal, um, where it's uh, ground up, you know, fruits and vegetables, but it's, it's freeze-dried so they don't lose the nutritional content. But it was initially to help... You know the the kind of palliative hospice style patient, but then he realized, well, all of us are you know chronically uh, malnourished. So again, out of tragedy came came a different road that sent him on this wellness path.
1: Oh wow, that's that's inspirational. Um, and and ALS is an awful disease. I, I know it on a personal level. My dad is ALS. Um, but yeah, it's it, and it's interesting you say that because you know with all the cancer research that I was looking at, I mean, there are, obviously you're exposed to different things in your, in your job, but there are all these things that you can do to really protect yourself. And one of those being nutrition. And, you know, we, a lot of us in, in America and throughout the world, we tend to eat a pretty nutritionally uh, deficient or depleted diet. And we all, and we tend to not eat what's Actually, really, food. So we're eating this kind of Franken food and this really heavily processed food. And so, what we get in real food and these nutritional supplements you're you're referring to that um, this individual made is these nutrients that actually help our bodies protect us from cancer because we all have cancer cells, um, all of us. It's just if our body is strong enough and it's running correctly, it's going to be constantly killing those cancer cells and it needs certain nutrients to be able to do that. And it needs certain nutrients to be able to detoxify your body of every, what we're exposed to and not just firefighters, but every person on this planet is exposed to a lot of um, kind of scary stuff. So if we're giving our body what it needs, our bodies are pretty good at protecting us.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, I want to get onto Create in resilience amongst a population during a pandemic in a minute. Um, oh. But uh, before we do, let's just bring Mike up to speed as well. So, Mike, if you want to talk about your background and again, how you found yourself in first in wellness.
2: Yeah, I mean, my background, my whole life, I would always I associate so much with being a competitive athlete because really, I just turned 35, really, until five years ago for 15, 16, even more than that, actually, years. That was just my whole life competing in gymnastics, competing in competitive powerlifting, Olympic weightlifting, 10 years of competitive uh, kettlebell sports. So in that journey of competing and, and reaching high levels, reaching elite levels in those sports, all along the way, I got injured. And so just like what I've always found is the most powerful teacher is oftentimes, unfortunately, the pain teacher. You know, if like things are going good, oftentimes there's not too much inspiration or push to to want to change, right? Things are good, you don't really, why would I change? But then every single time when I got injured from a forearm injury to a lower spine injury uh, to a shoulder injury, I had to reevaluate how I was training. And what I really realized is, and this fits exactly into my philosophy today, what Danielle and I are all about. And while I think we work so well together is I really realized is, to truly have longevity and long-term health and fitness and performance, whatever you wanna call it. We have to look way beyond just sets, reps, rest periods, and, and those kind of basic things that we think about when we think about fitness and strength and conditioning. Okay, I'm gonna to go to the gym and get sweaty. And sweat, yeah, it feels great. You're detoxifying, You're, there's energy involved. But what I really realize is all the other things that from that impact our health from breathing to sleep, to nutrition, the things that we're talking about, That is the other half, or if not more than the pie to truly building a resilient person and a resilient athlete. So over the years, as I started coaching more and more, became a strength and conditioning coach now, I think it's, yeah, over 15 years. That's absolutely my philosophy because to just train someone to get strong but who doesn't have a more balanced approach, who's not living longer and healthier and can play with their kids or can just literally at at, at the drop of the hat, go for a sprint and not tear a hamstring, Uh, whether it's because you wanna play with the kids or you actually do need to run up a whole flight of stairs because there's an issue going on um, like a fire or whatnot. My whole thing is how can we bring these things together and build more whole human beings? And so what Danielle was talking about when we worked together for Santa Clara Fire, I was heading up the whole fitness program and six month long program. I assessed every single firefighter there. So I got to see orthopedically what was going on with these guys. A lot of shoulder injuries, a lot of low back injuries. Uh, And so I became more and more inspired and started when I started doing ride alongs, I was like, man, this is amazing. This is like to have a firsthand just such small glimpse at what goes on day to day Um, I just felt more excited and inspired to to do what I could to support, to get these guys and gals out of being injured or just performing at a higher level. So Danielle and I really just synced up and how can we bridge the highest level of fitness training and injury prevention with longevity and wellness and resiliency. So when we met, like our, our visions were aligned, our mindsets were aligned, our hearts were aligned. And so now that's exactly what we're doing is how can we bring this to more people out there who absolutely need it?
0: Well, something I've seen in the profession is the siloing, not only in the departments, you know, literally neighboring departments won't talk to each other. Police and fire won't talk to each other. Um, in some, you know, some of the poorer examples, but also in the mental health element, the cancer element. Well, cancer, oh, it's, it's our gear. It's the, the the things that we breathe in. And then mental health, oh, it's what we see. And when you do that you negate sleep deprivation, you negate nutrition and fitness and everything else. Was that something that you see saw early on? Is that there was, was I was always kind of refer to it like the you know, the, the medical textbook. All right, now we've done the kidneys, now we're doing you know the lungs and, and not really discussing the fact that they all interrelate and need each other to survive.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that was the biggest thing, especially when I was working on the cancer module is, yeah, obviously you're exposed to some nasty stuff. I mean, just look at foam and uh, in your gear, like you mentioned, Um, and people are aware of that. And I was just at a health and wellness conference out in Ohio, and it was all specifically on firefighter health and wellness. They spent an entire day talking about cancer prevention and risk reduction and pretty much every one of the talks was on foam, gear, stuff you're exposed to. Um, and it was a great conference. Um, but what I didn't see as much of is what where is the power in your hands? What can you be doing? You know, How can you support your body's own natural detoxification? How can you reduce what you're exposed to just as a civilian? Like, for example what we get exposed to in the water, like just having a reverse osmosis water filter. I mean, just little things, because all this, all these contaminants are getting into our groundwater as well. Um, but also, like you mentioned, just sleep and nutrition. I mean, the World Health Organization has made shift work. they It's a carcinogen. They've, they've now labeled it a carcinogen. And, you know, we, we can't change the, the job. Like, right this second. I mean, maybe over time, they'll start, they'll look at that a little bit more seriously, but right now the job is the job, but what can you do on your off days? How can you improve your quality of sleep? Not the quantity. I mean, the quantity is great. And maybe the days you can get more sleep, great, but how can you improve that quality of sleep? How can you get more of that really restful, that deep and REM sleep? Um, and we we probably could do a whole talk on that, just talking about quality of sleep and, and mental health, and obviously physical health as well. But um, but yeah, it's just we wanted to give you um, all ways to, to be able to take action. Just give you you know a toolbox, and then you can pull out whatever tools you want to use, whatever is interesting to you, or you think is going to be the most impactful but a whole toolkit, a lifestyle, a fitness toolkit, which is actually going to help to strengthen your body and increase its resiliency. And so you're, like I said, your body is super good at protecting you. It's super good at healing you when things go sideways, if you give it what it needs. And one of those things is sleep. Another is nutrition. And Mike and I have talked about kind of the seven pillars, but I can refer to that later on. Cause I don't want to get too off tangent. I have a way of doing that. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, just giving you little things that, and I, and I keep stressing this, but small things, not things you have to totally overturn your, your life and, and, and live a totally different lifestyle. I mean, I kind of think of health as a spectrum and, you know, you've got one end of the spectrum where, you know, someone's barely moving, they get up, go to work, sit at a desk all day, go home on their hour commute in their car and then sit and watch TV at night and they eat fast food, drink soda, um, are super stressed, sleep five hours. I mean, that's one end of the spectrum. The other end of the spectrum is, you know, eating only uh, organic fruits and vegetables and grass fed meats and Getting optimal amount of hours of sleep and doing stress modulation every day, and the, just the right amount of exor- exercise—not too much, not too little—and you see where I'm going. We're just trying to move people towards a healthier end of the spectrum in small increments, in digestible increments. So,
0: yeah, no, I the think
1: long for your question, <laughs> no, but
0: it's, no, it's, it's exactly that. It's, it's you know, it's. As soon as you realize there are all these different factors that combine to create that, you know, tapestry that is health, the more we move the needle. But if we just focus on that myopic, oh, you know, for fitness, okay, we're going to go get the stretchy bands out and go sit on the Swiss ball. And, you know, you guys are going to be perfect to climb, you know, 10 stories with a a hose on your shoulder. Um, Well, Mike, to you, what I'd love to do just for a moment Taking politics completely out of sight, out of this whole conversation, for me as someone who's also in the kind of wellness space, what I saw this last year and a half or so was no mention of building up resilience, just like you talked about. I wish it had been phrased, imagine if you were going to get this virus. Now you'd have actionable things every day. Here's some tools. Here's what you can do. But I saw through my eyes, gyms, clothes, fast food, being able to deliver it along with alcohol directly to your house, blah, blah, blah. So what, what have you seen? If it's, you know, the, the, the pros of this last year and a half for you guys, but also what have been some of the, from a wellness lens, some of the things that you think we could have done better or maybe we can do better next time when looking at a crisis like this?
2: Yeah. You know, one of the, I mean, it's been so the, the sad part is I've, you know, so many of my friends own gyms, so many of them. And I've, and, and whether it's local gyms that I know the owners or just from workshops that I've done over the years, certifications I've taught. And it's one of the saddest things to see these gyms closing because there's, I mean, there's beyond just the fitness, the community that's created in these gyms. Like that is one of the, one of the most important things for just mental, emotional well-being and health and happiness. Like, there are certain people that can train alone and work out alone that are self-motivated. Like for me, I love training alone in my garage. Like I can do it, you just leave me in there, no music, I will go. But a lot of people need that support, that healthy competitiveness and to see their friends. And so that's been one, honestly one of the saddest things is to see the cultures of gyms really struggling. And that for me, it's not religious, it's just, it's the church. So I, I, would, I would say that the gym for me growing up was the church. And so what I've really seen is, you know, there's been those people who have been able to rally and those people who have really dug deep and found that intrinsic motivation to seek out virtual training. And this is really, I mean, before COVID, almost nine months out of the year, I was on the road traveling and teaching. That was my thing. And then once that thing flipped, I was basically, how can I make this thing an online deal? And, And so, You saw a lot of people shifting to online. That's why I don't even know what the percentage is, but the amount of trainers that actually started offering online classes and it was just all over. But then I would still say there's a lot of those people who I mean, I don't even know the statistics, but the amount of just uh, weight gain and out of shape like you got I, I look at kind of two people few people kind of stayed the same. You kind of like it accelerated, COVID accelerated everything in my eyes. And so it accelerated either people who were not going down the path and and out of shape and overweight. And then it said other people, okay, let's go. So, I mean, really, I think though, at the end of the day, next time there's been, like you said yourself perfectly, there's been little to no focus on health and well being and the ability to If this thing comes again, whatever it is, like being able to be resilient enough to fight it off and have a strong enough immune system so you can bounce back. And honestly, like Danielle was saying earlier about the simple things, it amazes me, amazes me at one of the most simple exercise that anybody can do, anybody can do is just going for a walk outside nasal breathing. If somebody did that literally just 20 minutes a day, set the cell phone at home so there's no distraction, you're taking a separation from the technology, you're going outside, you're getting some natural sunlight, you're breathing in fresh air. And walking is probably the exercise that we could do until we're 100 years old, 90 years old, 80 years old, it pumps the body, it pumps the lymphatic system. And so what I would just say is breaking it down to the simplest chunks for people start there before you reach for the coffee or as soon as you wake up in the morning, you get out of bed, you walk out of the door, you put your shoes on the door. If you want to brush your teeth, you can, but I would just suggest make it the number one thing that you comes into your awareness is to go outside. And then the other thing, too, with something like that is it's a walking meditation. And so I think as it relates to fitness and wellness, people have this like mountain that they feel like they need to climb. And if they don't have that community support and they don't have the encouragement, it can be really hard for people to tap in to that reason of why they're doing it. But I guarantee you like some of the biggest aha realizations, processing of traumatic or stressful events have all come for me and a lot of my clients from just being outdoors on a hike, on walking, it will ground you. And so at the most basic level, I think just moving our bodies, if you're feeling depressed, if you're feeling stressed, if you're feeling sluggish. And your natural inclination, your first inclination is to distract yourself with technology, Instagram, grab a cup of coffee, do a stimulant, whatever it is, just go outside and move your body. And so that I think has been completely overlooked. And I think it's just been just way undervalued and understated. So at least from a fitness lens, but as you said, it's interrelated with every other area. If you dial in your breathing and you breathe in through your nose, you're going to be more calm. You're gonna be more focused. Your digestion's gonna improve. Your relationships are probably gonna improve. So that would be the first thing that comes to my mind is simplifying things, getting people outside and really focusing on people doing some type of movement every day. Doesn't need to be ass kicker movement. You don't need to do a crazy wad, just get your butt outside and get moving.
0: Yeah, well, I found that myself. I, for years now, my little boy started getting the bus. I forget it was. I think it was when he started middle school. And so I would always walk him to the bus. I'm very lucky we live in a community here. And now he's 14, totally capable of walking to the bus on his own. But that routine is so important for me too. I get to converse with him. I get sunlight on my my retina to kind of set my, you know, circadian rhythm. And then I'm, you know, always nasal breathing. I just had Patrick McEwen on um, today's oh. episode that's out at the moment. Um, and, you know, I... I've seen it through the exercise side. I've seen it through the deregulation side. Brian McKenzie, you know, makes it sound, this makes perfect sense when other tribes refer to us as shadow mouths because they don't normally have their mouth open. So, yeah, <laughs> you you tie all these things together, nature, sunlight, community, you know, conversation if you're with someone, silence if you're not. Um And it's, I mean, it's that in itself, but it's been discouraged even going outside. And that was what was maddening in some of those kind of, kind of uh directives that were thrown out was don't go outside well that's that's insanity don't go into a room full of people and lick each other i get it but you know to go walk your dog <laughs> you, go do
2: that you know disregard that that directive oh lick doorknobs <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're exactly right um and and actually I, i'd recently gone through patrick's uh oxygen advantage certification it was fantastic like that's been i would say I mean, each year, like I'm always learning, always studying, but each year I really try to focus on like, what's the one thing that this year that I'm most excited about that is gonna benefit me personally, but it's gonna transfer over to me professionally. And I've always been interested in breathing. That's always been a part of my training as an athlete, as a coach, but his take on it just completely in the last year plus has completely changed my training, trained my sleep, trained how I coach. And the simplest thing, but probably the most powerful thing is just focusing on that nasal breathing. I had no idea until I started taping my mouth shut while I was sleeping at really what a, what a deep, deep, deep night of sleep is and how much less caffeine I need in the morning and how much more energized and how much more pleasant I am to be around. So he really does a fantastic job. And everyone I work with is like, I'm a proponent. I was just training a, a buddy of mine, his his two kids, he's a firefighter. And uh, one of the things I did, I was telling this to Danielle before as a challenge, but also to keep them quiet because nine <laughs> and 10 year old talk a lot and get distracted is, all right, guys, you know, we're going to do this workout together. I'm taking them through it here. Chug, not chug, but take this big gulp of water. Now keep that gulp of water in your mouth. And they thought it was exciting and challenging. And I'm giving them balance exercise and they're little, they're hockey players. So on rest periods, I'm having them pass the puck back and forth. And it was just so cool. One kept them quiet, as I mentioned, and they listened a lot more, but it was just a great game and a fun challenge that I know is benefiting them in so many other ways. So yeah, breathing can be fun. And it's for me, it's this, this year and last year is like the thing I'm spearheading in all aspects of life. Yeah. I'm actually going to get some of the myotape
0: that, that he talks about for myself, because you know, I, I seem to be good at nose breathing when I'm awake But I guarantee you, if you film me when I was asleep, based on, you know, some of the noises I'm sure I make, (laughs) probably my mouth is wide open. So that's another step I got to take myself. And with his work, an interesting thing, I haven't actually, you know, dived into it yet, but he has the techniques to unblock the nose. And my son's always had terrible nasal congestions, a big mouth breather. So that's another 2022 thing that I got to do is try and try and find these ways to unblock the nose. And that way you don't have that kind of barrier to entry and nasal breathing then.
2: Well, that's huge because like, like for me, uh, like I, I think this, I don't know if it happened when I was playing high school football, but since then I remember like either getting hit or something and I had a deviated septum and I've had ever since. And so whether it's due to actual, like a structural blockage in the nose or due to like, for me, every time I eat dairy, mucus builds up and all of a sudden my nose plugs. And so rhinitis is one of the things that, yeah, he talks about and it's very quick to get a significant improvement. And basically it involves just a breath hold and you move your head in certain ways for a certain amount and you just go for a certain amount of time. And it's incredible At as soon as you release the nose after a longer breath hold with a few movements, everything just opens up and it's like, not just your airways open up, your whole brain opens up. So yeah, I think you're gonna find it's gonna be pretty powerful for, for your son. Beautiful, well, I
0: appreciate that kind of second opinion. He was, he was yeah. an amazing man. I'm looking forward to doing a second part with him. Um, well, Danielle, uh, over to you then. Your perspective of the last eighteen months.
1: I feel like our country and in the world missed a major opportunity to really highlight preventative health and wellness, and you know we we've we've stayed reactive. um And so, I guess on the preventative piece, it's still kind of a, a pill for an ill. It's it's a shot. Which I got a vaccine. I you know my husband's mom is 91. And so we got vaccinated, but I still believe, you know, there are all these things we can be doing to bolster our immunity. So, you know, if we just look at a couple simple things, one is just, if we look at our nutrition, just taking out sugar our added sugars alone is going to strengthen your immune system tremendously. They there's I mean there's so many studies out there on looking at sugar and, and immunity but you know one of them they had them drink about the equivalent to a coke and it suppressed the immune system for 5 hours and so I mean that to me that's that's pretty eye opening and so if you're eating sugar all day long a bunch of added sugars and it's in everything um, then you're constantly suppressing your immune system, so that that's one thing. The breathing that that Mike mentioned, obviously, that's another thing. Sleep. I mean, if you're sleep deprived or if your quality of sleep is just crap, then your immune system is going to be suppressed. If you're not getting outside and getting vitamin D, it's winter time now, so maybe you're supplementing, and your vitamin D levels are, you know, somewhere in the range of forty to sixty. Then that's going to be protective for immune system because vitamin D is a really important immune regulator. Um, just eating fruits and vegetables that has that have tons of different nutrients that are going to support your immune system. Magnesium, zinc, uh, beta carotene, like all these things I can think of. Vitamin. Um, so those are just a few things I can think of. But I think another thing which was lost in um, in COVID is just that is community um, and that social connection that we all crave and is really important for our immune system. I feel like there should have been some more creative ways out there. I know I talked about it a little bit in a post, but um, some creative ways to still remain connected. I mean, a lot of us started Zooming with our families or, or doing a lot of stuff um, uh, with technology to try to, to make connections, but I just feel like there should have been more ways to help people get that social support that everyone was craving and needing. I mean, not being, I'm a big hugger. I know Mike is too. And not being able to go up and hug a friend was just painful. So, I mean, what are some replacements for that? But I feel like, you know, our leaders should have been Offering up, you know, talking to some of the experts in, in health and wellness and longevity and talking to them and putting together like a toolkit for everyone in our nation. And just, you know, some low hanging fruit in each of the different areas that we've talked about that can make a significant difference in someone's immunity. And so, um and, and I know I mentioned before, like all these different things that we're suggesting and offering up in, in our first and wellness toolkit to first responders. But the really good news is, you know, Mike mentioned this, you know, health and wellness mountain that we all have to climb to be healthy. You can do little tiny things that make a huge difference. And look, and I, and, you know, if, if you look at the flip side of that, you can do, you can do things that are little tiny things that are going to be really damaging to your health and wellness as well. But if you flip that over, you can start making little changes in your lifestyle. And now all of a sudden, you're moving on that spectrum and towards a healthier, more resilient body.
0: Well, I think one thing that I kind of observed, if you just buy into the polarity that was pumped just for a second... So the pro-vax and I got vaccinated as well. My, I went to see my 104 year old grandmother. I did everything I could to just kind of reduce the chances and didn't have any real worries about the vaccine personally. Um, but did I think it was super effective? Also no. <laughs> so, um, but so you take the people that are very for it. You need a healthy body, a healthy immune system to have a good, healthy response for your vaccine to be as, as, you know, as have as much of an effect as possible. If you're completely opposed to vaccinations, you need a healthy body, a healthy immune system to deal with the virus as you get it raw. So the common denominator between these two people that are ready to murder each other is having a healthy body. And the other thing that I kind of put to people, I was just thinking this the other day, these very angry pro-vaccination people that are shaming people and calling people selfish, including first responders for not you know getting their mandated shots, is do it before and after. Find a picture of you a year and a half ago and a and picture now, look in the mirror, and if you are not a better version of yourself, you are an absolute liability to this community as well. So if you haven't made yourself eighteen months fitter, stronger, faster, you know, more resilient, and you're screaming about a vaccine, you know, you're part of this obesity and overweight epidemic that is crippling our healthcare system. So, you know, when you again all those, what is the core? And it's creating as many healthy resilient human beings as possible, and we could overhaul what we feed our kids in school the p e as you said education on on um you know the sleep and wellness and nutrition pump money back into local organic farms rather than letting these mega farms you know feed the whole country so I spoke to one of my doctor friends, and he said the vaccinations is a low hanging fruit that was a year and a half ago. Had we started that back then, we would have a country that was almost two years healthier now. But I agree with you completely. I was looking for a real leader in this whole thing that would actually put the health of the nation first and everyone dropped the ball.
1: Right. It it was a real missed opportunity and it didn't have to be get vaccinated, don't get vaccinated. Leave that out. Like, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm a proponent for vaccines, um, especially early on, like you mentioned, but I'm a bigger proponent for what can you do to, per, to make your body stronger? What, you know, And there's a ton of stuff. And that's the cool thing about it. And yeah, it takes a little bit of effort, but not as much as you would think.
2: And one thing to, to piggyback on that, Danielle, you may have heard me speak about this to you, but James, I'm curious, have you ever heard, and I'm curious if the listeners have heard of the documentary called The Motivation Factor? I have not, no. I'll write it down. That honestly, if I had to pick, I don't even know top top one top three things that that have like watched and just let the lasting impact on me motivation factor. And so basically, what it is is it's a documentary that looks at a particular uh, I believe it was a middle school yeah it was a middle school in uh, in Modesto so not too far honestly from where Danielle and I are at. And basically, they, they showed their fitness program at these young kids. And if you look at every single kid, every single kid has literally got an eight pack. And they did these organized fitness training that all of a sudden other schools around the country were trying to model. And even just their warm up, just their warm up, they took NFL uh, athletes, I think it was today, or professional athletes. They couldn't even do these kids' warm up or had a hell of a time doing it. And there's so many uh, scientists and doctors from Stanford and all this stuff. And all throughout the documentary, they basically interview these docs and they talk about the correlation between physical health and mental, emotional health and all that sort of stuff. And basically what they show also is they interview a lot of these now, now more elderly people, but basically when they were going to these schools as kids and how they maintained these rituals and these routines that were instilled at them as a young age. And so there's so much, That we can teach and model and show if we have, you know, especially if we if we have good leaders and basically interweave it into whether especially into kids, because that's one thing that fires me up. I don't have a kid yet or anything like that, but I'm super passionate, obviously, about fitness and health. And at least in this area, like they removed a lot of the PE programs and it's like. I remember being a kid and just like literally as soon as that that recess bell went off, I was literally out the door before even the teacher could say like, you forgot your hat or something <laughs> like that. And, but when you look at this, it's absolutely astounding at how well they did this documentary. And it shows again, the correlation between mental health and all the other things. And it really shows later down the road at just how much more sharp and happy and how much these older people now relied on those rituals and routines that were instilled in them at a young age. So it's a fascinating documentary. And what was so cool about it for me as well is they, they basically, um, separated these kids into like level systems. It was like a white level, a gold level, et cetera, based off of performance. And I actually got my hands on the testing and for the gold level, the highest level, right. I was blown away at what they had to do. Like, I remember one of them was that you had to carry another student on your back and you had to go for a walk. Can you guys guess how long for a gold level would you have to do? Carry another? So basically, I'm 170 pounds. I wouldn't carry 170 pounds. I wouldn't be that that big at that age. But imagine carrying your own body weight. How far would you guys guess? I've just based on the way you're describing it, probably like a mile or so. Two miles. Oh, my goodness. What? Two miles. And they also had, like, it was all, so the tests were so, like, varied and comprehensive. And, like, you had to egg beater in water. Like, that was dry land stuff. And you had to beater, beater in water for, I think it was five minutes. It was a minimum of three minutes. If you put me in water right now, I'm going straight to the bottom. <laughs> <laughs> and But those are only two of the of the sample tests. And it was just amazing at what these kids could do just just with a little bit of guidance and training and organization and, and encouragement and support. So uh, yeah, anybody who hasn't seen that movie, The Motivation Factor, highly recommend it. It'll, it changed my life for sure.
0: Yeah, I've never heard of it. I'm absolutely going to go see it now. But it's funny because you listen to that and you're, you're amazed. Ironically, I just saw, I think he was nine, a nine-year-old just did a 10K in Australia. He came, God, I think like 1,000 out of 5,000 or so people Almost everyone else was an adult. Um, I think he did the 10k in like, th- have I got that right? Uh, 38 minutes, or it was, it was it was an insane amount. The pace would have out, you know, run most adults. But we forget. Like, look at, you know, young boys and girls in a lot of these more tribal areas. They're out hunting. They're riding. They're they're hunting with eagles. They're you know out in in the the Arctic or the Antarctic. I mean, it's just you look at what the human body is capable of if you feed it exercise it and give it rest and recovery and then you look at what's titled as too much or too tiring now and it's like well no wonder we're a mess (laughs) an absolute mess because the potential of the human body is absolutely wasted and we have an amazing opportunity to set these kids up to really understand the gift that is the human body and thrive through their life but we do the opposite we take away rhesus we feed them shit. And then we make it okay to just sit in the corner playing video games.
1: Yeah. And I, and I don't, you know, I mentioned about losing my health when I was 32, but I got really sick. And prior to that, like I had no problem with like going out, drinking with friends and sleeping four or five hours and then going and you know, surfing four hours the next day, maybe going for a run after that and just driving myself into the ground after I recovered from being ill, you better believe that like my health is my number one priority because I never want to feel like shit like that again. And so I'm really protective over my health. And and I think that's, you know, part of the reason I, or I know that's it's part of the reason I got into this. And maybe one of the, the bigger reasons is like, I want to help y'all protect your health. Like it is the most precious thing you have. And when you lose it, then you realize, oh, man, that was pretty awesome feeling good or even feeling OK. And so and, and what you mentioned, James, it's just the the potential of the human body. Like you might think you feel OK right now, but you have potential to feel freaking awesome. And like like Mike was saying, you know, wake up feeling rested, having energy, not not being in pain, like being able to move freely and. And being able to do stuff with your body, that's just, you know, pretty cool. Like climb a mountain and go see a view that you never, that not many people get to see or going and experiencing something with your kids that, you know, I see like with, I will say one thing about COVID is I live in Santa Cruz. It's, you know, the mountain meets the sea and uh, I see, and I mountain bike and the trails are more crowded than I've ever seen. And not with just adults, but with families, tons of families out there. And I just, I love it. Every time I see it, I'm just like giggling. I'm like, this is great. Because like what Mike said about just being passionate about kids and their health and their wellness is you have such a responsibility as a parent. I'm not a parent, um, but you, this huge responsibility to be a role model. And this is what all my my parent friends tell me is to be a role model and and one of those things is being a role model in health and wellness, and and that's probably the biggest gift you can give your kids is being a role model in health and wellness
0: absolutely, well, I can attest to that I packed my son's lunch ever since he started school for that very reason i'm like <laughs> I know what they're serving there, so we we're not, we're not playing that um, well speaking of using the body for amazing things obviously a lot of people listening are you know first responders military you know dispatchers um some you know a lot more active than others but uh you guys created first in wellness um i want to really explore where you are now the 90-day program some of the great things that you've got going on but just before we do if we could revisit the the financial element or the financial savings that you're seeing of departments when they implement a program like this. Because as we mentioned before we started recording, I would love to think that everyone in a leadership position has altruism in their heart and they deeply care about the wellness of their, their men and women. To be completely blunt, I haven't seen that in a lot of places that I've worked, but money talks, bullshit walks. So it's the bean counters that really dictate. So what are you seeing, you know, generally when it comes to programs like this implemented on the, on the kind of long-term savings to a department when they're able to get their men and women fitter and, and understand rest and recovery?
1: Yeah, I mean, this is a study from a few years back, but International Association of Firefighters did a 12-year analysis of comprehensive health and wellness programs where they had uh, a nutrition aspect. fitness aspect. Um, Some of them had physical therapy and rehab aspect, and then also annual physicals. And they saw a little over half a million dollars a year savings. And so, you know, not not pennies, um, so pretty significant amount of money. And so, I mean, we know that health and wellness programs save money. I mean, you can look at the healthcare system and preventative medicine saves money that's why they have the whole um like we have kaiser out here but it's just a uh, um uh oh what is it called um oh, i'm blanking on the name but the health, the healthcare system but basically it's 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 setting everything up so that you're trying to be as preventative as possible and that and we know that that saves money so if you can prevent someone from having a heart attack And you can get their blood pressure down, get them eating a little bit better, get them moving. That's going to be a lot cheaper than treating them for a heart attack um, or a stroke. And so so we know it saves a lot of money. And and on the flip side of that, we know that the majority, when we're talking about preventative measures, tons of money in, in fire departments is spent on maintenance of their equipment. So um, or buying, you know, buying new, really expensive equipment, and then and then hours a day spent just maintaining that equipment for prevention, right? So that that equipment lasts for longer, but very little money is being spent on preventative measures to maintain their members' equipment, so their bodies, and. Um, And that, in my opinion, needs to change. Um, Your fire station, your fire department, your crews are only as strong as the firefighters in that crew. So you might have top of the line, pristine equipment. But if your firefighters are not fit, if they're not healthy, if they're going to go out and they're very deconditioned and have a cardiac event in the middle of a call like it doesn't matter what kind of equipment you have or how well maintained it is. It's um, it's not going to be very effective.
2: Absolutely not, Mike. Same with you. Yeah, and he, and, and I think Danielle hit hit it, hit the nail on the head. But like when you look at, I mean, you can just look at the the amount of statistics. So I think it's like over seventy percent of firefighters are at least overweight. Uh, when you look at the amount of like how the increasing in suicide, look at the injury rates. When you're looking at all these numbers and. You know, when i was working specifically with santa clara county because on that as i mentioned earlier i had the opportunity to actually do a physical assessment on everyone so look at you know ankle range of motion look at uh hip range of motion look at mechanics during squat lunging bending twisting overhead movements look at shoulder impingement like i was looking at all sorts of stuff weight shift. so i had dual scales i had these guys and gals stand one foot on each sail to actually see what the weight shift if they're heavy on one side as opposed to the other And there's so many correlations, like that specific test uh, is mainly correlated, especially if you have them close their eyes, when you take the ability to them to self-correct for vision and balancing on the horizon, it shows an atlas axis. So at C1, C2 misalignment, which is super important. It's like one of the highest uh, control systems for posture and pain. And the amount of people that I saw that was just imbalanced, either already injured or very nearing an injury was honestly shocking. And so like, I know we, I think, and Danielle's done this already with a few firefighters that I know just getting them off medications and what that's done for them. But then I know from the physical side, like we had one gal just in that group, actually two people, I think that actually, uh, they were gonna retire and then they got another few years out of them. And so when you look at just the cost of workman's compensation and these things, like literally if you're injured in a firefighter, not only can you not do the job, but also the amount like that, that is calling, that is an identity. So just the mental emotional stress that that causes. So whether it's workman compensation to just, uh, reducing obesity, to reducing the amount of cardiac events, which is one of the highest risk factors today for firefighters. It's just, it's insane at literally, I think how important it is to have a health and wellness program. And Danielle said, I think an important word, and you touched on it too, James earlier is that comprehensive like i've got nothing against yoga whatsoever i enjoy yoga from time to time but just thinking that a wellness program is hiring a yoga instructor to come to the station once every other week and that's going to do it it's just not enough it's just not enough like i mean i know it's going to take a cultural shift i understand that and we're looking at more of like a long-term kind of game but i mean the ultimate goal and the ultimate dream for i know for us is just to hopefully see the higher ups place as much importance just like Danielle was talking about about maintaining the rig as they do about maintaining their own body so in the lineup of all the trainings that happen during the week and all the situations that that you guys and gals have to get prepared for if there's a component of that that is legitimate serious serious conditioning of the physical body training of the mind support and all these other aspects and i mean it's it's gonna not only make happier workers, but yeah, it's absolutely gonna affect the bottom line in a positive way. Absolutely.
0: Well, it's something I talk about a lot as a shifts, and I won't go down that rabbit hole this time, but you know, again I'm sure if we could just you know get some people to actually do some some research on it, you'd realize that by adding an extra shift and giving these men and women more time off between their shifts, you would actually save money hand over fist with that as well because you wouldn't have the mental health, physical health, um, you know the injury rates that uh, that we're seeing with that you know also. But like you said before, right now 2021 or 2022 when this goes out, um, you know we got to focus on what we can control today. Now I have seen. Coming from a sports science background, coming from being an athlete and a, and a coach, a very low-level coach, <laughs> um, I saw, for example, in my last place, what happens when you put the wrong people in a wellness position. And we, we at that time, contracted a, a local sports training place and they came in. And, uh, you know, it was all stretchy bands and spritz balls. And one of the classes, a, a woman taught the, the guys how to make oatmeal and then they walked around the station twice. So, you know, I don't have to go any further on that explanation to realize what absolute dog shit that was. And it was about 40 grand a year. So that aside, (laughs) let's talk about what a good program looks like. So I know you're about to release a brand new kind of element to First in Wellness. So I'll give you guys the mic and, and let us know kind of what options you have for the First Responder community. Yeah,
1: Mike, you want to talk about the fitness program that's coming out on the 18th?
2: Yeah, that's the thing. I think we're we're I mean we're excited about the whole thing for sure. But the fitness program, we've really spent a lot of time on revamping, and so we now have uh, on the 18th of January. So coming up, by the time this podcast comes out, it'll be in the in the days that follow. We've got basically an individual fitness program that people can just go. It's fully online if they want to participate, and and then we also have a group version that that inter, in, interconnects based the the wellness and the fitness side. But with this program in specific like when i was creating it you know i wanted to create something that firefighters could do if they wanted in the station but also a conditioning program that they could do anywhere so if they wanted to do it in their garage if they have a home office outside and for me two of the most functional pieces of equipment and i guess we could count a third one is sandbags which is directly going to relate to transporting people and, and, and lifting loads and awkward positions and unconventional strength and being strong in different positions and multiple angles. Uh, and then also kettlebells like mastery or not even mastery, but just adequate proficiency at base level movements. in those will help firefighters in my opinion, tremendously. And then the third thing is if you add in some body weight training as well. Now with this program, it's, it's, it's plus or minus about 12 weeks long, about 90 days long. We may create a more streamlined that's shorter later down the road. But throughout this program one of the biggest things that i think separates it in addition to utilizing those tools i mean firefighters are implement athletes like you guys are lifting saws and all sorts of of heavy stuff during the day so you need to know how to lift awkward and heavy objects if all you do is work out on like a smith machine which for those who aren't familiar if you've gone to a gym you see like a, a power rack or a cage with two tracks and the bar slides up and down that's really not going to have much correlation i mean it's better than nothing i'll say go for it leg press is better than nothing but if you had to you know uh put a hose on your shoulder climb stairs and carry you know an extra oxygen tank and then you had to move and crawl at the top of a stairwell that's the the smith machine isn't going to be the best best choice for what you need to do you
0: need a preacher curl <laughs>
2: <laughs> 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 exactly <laughs> um, But in addition to those, you know, one of the things that I that I and we are most proud of is a screening process before. And so before someone enters the program, if they wish, basically, I have a few simple tests that helps clear overhead range of motion, shoulder impingement, ankle dorsi ankle movement. It's called dorsiflexion. Um, We've got uh, stuff to assess flexibility, uh, pushups, cardiovascular conditioning, stuff that you can do literally in under 20 minutes to assess these things. And for example, this is like to say every program out there is right for everybody is absolutely incorrect like to just hop into a cookie cutter program obviously that's not the smartest thing, but you know if you've got a shoulder issue. You're going to need to take action and do some shoulder rehab exercises before you try and lift a kettlebell or anything over your head if you're trying to do a ceiling pull or whatever so there's clearance tests in there and also supportive stuff to do like a shoulder rehab program i've gotten there i've got corrective stretches i've got breath work throughout the whole program in fact a lot of as we were talking patrick McEwen's influence is directly into the program all the training is done at nasal breathing intensity to build a gas tank to build their wind uh sustainably from the start to the end so it's a very comprehensive program it's full-on but the movements i've chosen and the way i've designed it it's all progressive and it can be for someone at a very low level of fitness but also I'm someone at let's just say a higher level of fitness too because i've got two levels in there so uh it's something again that we're really excited about and we're going to kick it off on the 18th and on that same day i'm going to be leading a free breathing and movement challenge for firefighters it's going to be less than 30 minutes so i'm going to teach a breathing assessment uh, we're going to do a physical movement that you can do just body weight. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to test you. I'm going to test your, your breathlessness and, and, and your gas tank. And then I'm going to teach you how to recover from it. And the whole idea is to assess where someone is right now, give them some type of challenge that'll give them the idea or the correlation. If there was a training situation or a real life situation, what is your, your current actual fitness level in that with your breathing? And then how to recover very quickly from it. I'm going to give a strategy. So that if, for example, you had to climb 40 or 60 flights of stairs before you even started fighting a structure fire or another situation, you would know how to calm your breathing down, how to recover much faster, how to critically think. So that's a free challenge we're going to run on the 18th. And it also syncs up with the launch of the fitness program too. So we're we're super stoked about both those things. Beautiful. Well,
0: pulling a couple of things out, I just want to kind of underline because I heard you mention it in another podcast. I think it was actually Danielle that was talking on that one. Um, But the versatility of kettlebells, because one of the challenges that I see um in stations is space. Obviously, budget is part. But again, that's just a misallocation of funds, really. It should be, you know, definitely sending money into the preventative strength conditioning side. Um, (laughs) I actually came across a company, BeaverFit, recently. I think they're phenomenal and they have some incredible um, options for for stations that don't have a lot of space. Um, But, uh, you know, with the kettlebell, like you said, you've got the stations, very, very little space. You've got home. But also now we're actually starting to see those appear in regular gyms too if you've got a crossfit gym near you if you've got a ymca whatever so having that around um kettlebells and then you can literally make your own you know sandbag out of an old rucksack from an army surplus store um that takes away a lot of the need for you know olympic bars and platforms and all the other kind of gadgets and gizmos that a lot of us use in a regular gym
2: absolutely absolutely like literally if you just had i recommend one to three bells for the program. But if you literally only have one bell, you will absolutely be able to complete the entire program and get a phenomenal training effect and a training effect. Once again, that's going to relate to actually what you do. Like, that's the important thing. Like, what is the transfer? What's the application? Because, again, if we're just on a a preacher curl, Smith machine or a leg press, (laughs) that's a good start, maybe if you're not doing anything. But I, I really want it to be functional and functional is really defined by functional for whatever job, work, sport, activity environment that you're that you're trying to apply it to. So you're exactly right. In a short amount of time, one kettlebell, one sandbag, use a backpack, use whatever you got, just get creative and you can do the whole thing.
0: Well with breath work as well, this is a comment I made we maybe we even talked about this the last time we spoke, but one of the other things going through the journey that I have now and then looking back is aside from pretty much, you know, anything underwater, being a firefighter is about the only other scenario where the only air on planet earth you have is on your back so not only do you have the cardiovascular element of being as efficient as possible but you also have the nervous system deregulation to then be as efficient with your breath as well
2: that's so true absolutely that yeah absolutely
0: so danielle over to you then your perspective of the the launch and then you know what else have you got you know to offer the first responder within the first uh, first in wellness package.
1: Well, I mean, I'm excited about the launch, um, but I will say, I mean, one of the things that Mike and I have worked and are continuing to work on is simplicity. We we want to try to lower or remove as many barriers as we can for people starting this program and just starting that journey to being fitter, healthier. Um, and so, uh, what I like about the fitness program is, like, like Mike said, there you know three pieces of equipment: your body, a kettlebell, and a sandbag. So it's inexpensive, it's easy. Hopefully, that lowers that barrier of finances, space, um, and complexity. And then it starts by just building on a foundation, and then from there, the movements become more complex. Um, you increase speed, you can increase the load. And so it, it, what I like about it is it's, it's building on, um, a really strong foundation. So no matter what level you are, like Mike said, even some of these really fit firefighters that we worked with in past, in a past program, um, they, they had a lot of, um, body mechanics that were not serving them well, that were in- increasing their injury risk. And so no matter what level of fitness you are, you're still going to get something out of this. You're still going to be bounding, a, uh, building a stronger foundation so that you're going to, your performance is going to increase. You're going to feel better. You're going to move better. Your risk of injury is going to go down, which I know is incredibly important to every firefighter I've talked to. Um, From being able to continue doing a job that they love, that they've been called to do, to being able to do activities outside of of the station that they enjoy doing. And so not getting injured is a pretty big motivator. So hopefully our program is, I mean, that was the intention of our program, to help people be more functionally ready to to perform their job and, and all the things that their job requires them to do, but also to... Maintain or improve their their quality quality of life.
0: And then, am I right in understanding you got the baseline test at the beginning, but is it every every month you're also doing like a reeval so you can
2: see the progress?
1: Yeah, there. Go ahead, Mike.
2: On the fitness side specifically, the the way this this kind of updated version works is there's some baseline testing at start midpoint testing at week six and then final testing at week 12. So it's just some good checks. And so you're repeating the exact same tests, uh, going through. So we're looking at things like VO two max, we're looking at range of motion. We're looking at, uh, there's a, there's a push to style test in there as well. So there's a few tests. The breath, the breath test is honestly, for me, the most important because the breath is probably the biggest thing that has going to have correlation to everything else. I mean, as we've already talked about uh, at nauseum, but like Even just the the amount that someone's core, the ability to stabilize the spine, will improve. By someone's ability to breathe better, is going to go dramatically up. And so digestion is going to improve. So for me, even though there's, I think there's eight tests total that we take people through, the breath is really the one that that myself and Danielle are really looking at to really see the largest improvement because it's going to be that's going to be the domino that's going to affect everywhere else.
0: All right. Well, you mentioned seven pillars. Obviously, strength and conditioning is is one and or two. Um, So so kind of walk me through the other areas of wellness that you will also be educating and covering as they go through this program.
1: Yeah. So we have a 90 day program which incorporates, um, well, the group program, which departments can sign up for or a crew or multiple crews can sign up for. That also has the fitness included. Um, but the other components that we see that are going to be really important for building that, that foundation, kind of these, these pillars of health and well-being are uh, nutrition, sleep, stress modulation, um, community, uh, breathing, gut health. And then fitness. I think that's seven. I wasn't counting. That
0: was, that's I it. was. <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay, good. Um, so within the 90 day program, we do, we hopefully support all of these things. Um, we have a, uh, it's three 30-day three modules. So the first module is on nutrition. The second one, we, we work on mental agility and, and modulating stress. And then the third one, we talk about restorative sleep and, and how to improve that sleep quality. Within that 90 days um, in our group program, and then we also offer this as an additional add-on in the, individual per, the program that individuals can do on their own, is we have uh, health and wellness coaching. So we are, I don't know about you, but I don't know if you've ever made a, a goal or a challenge for yourself and, and maybe it doesn't work out exactly as planned or, you know, you get a week into it and something else distracts you. So we built in health and wellness coaching because we think information is great, but do, but building habits and kind of digging down and, and uncovering that why or maybe the five whys that are under that why as to why you, you want to make some sort of change that's where health and wellness uh, coaching comes in. And so we're there to help you kind of discover those whys and then, ma- and then start planning some action steps and some experiments to, tr- to st- try to start kind of moving along that pendulum, to start making some behavior change. Um, so that's really important to us. The other thing is with the group program. We do group health and wellness coaching, and we do that for a couple of reasons. One is for the almighty dollar. It makes it cheaper for the departments. But even more importantly, it is a group dynamic. So you're all talking about different goals that you're working on, and it builds in that kind of you know family, brother, sister camaraderie that you already have in the fire service. So um, it just builds in another layer of support. And it just shows that, you know, everybody's working on something. We're all in this together. We're, we're, in, a commu- we're in a community. So it builds that social support there. Um, we work on the breath work and the fitness program. And then within the, um, the entire program, everything we're doing is going to be supporting gut health. So we make some nutrition recommendations. So, you know, reducing adding sh- added sugars adding some more fruits and vegetables, maybe adding in some fermented foods. If you're sleeping better, that's going to support your gut health because sleep deprivation is um, not very gut friendly. Um, (laughs) Breathing is actually going to improve, especially nasal breathing is going to improve your your gut health and that biodiversity. Malt breathing actually um, helps to that um, more pathogenic bacteria to grow. Whereas nasal breathing does not do that. So you're actually going to have more beneficial bacteria in your gut. That stuff that's going to help with hormone regulation, detoxification, digestion, reducing inflammation, balancing blood sugars, all the things that that beneficial gut bacteria does just breathing differently, just breathing through your nose. And I'm trying to do that while I'm talking and it's really hard, Um, but just breathing through your nose is going to change your gut bacteria. Um, Exercising. Exercising, as long as you're not over-exercising, that's going to improve your, your gut bacteria. Um, that's going to improve your gut health, how well your digestive tract is moving, that peristalsis, that movement of food down your digestive tract. Um, Breathing is also going to do that. Breathing's going to help peristalsis. It's also going to help the um, this flap between your esophagus and your stomach. It's going to help that, con- that sphincter to open and close properly. So that's going to reduce GERD or um, gastric reflux or heartburn. Um, What other things? Uh, (laughs) Social connection that actually they've also shown that can be helpful with your gut bacteria. So all these things are all working together. And um, like we've said a couple of times, there are like some simple, simple things you can do in each of these areas And it doesn't have to be every area. You can pick one, two of these areas to just start kind of doing some experiments with. And that's all going to support kind of this this major network, all these interlinking things. And it's going to improve your health and wellness. So we've tried to incorporate and support all those aspects in our program and um like I said, in a really supportive and simple fashion. And and we're still working on, we're going to revamp the whole 90-day program again. It might not even be 90 days, uh, might be most likely shorter, but we're trying to revamp, revamp, simplify, simplify, lower barriers, um, hopefully keep it interesting for people and, uh, and, um, and support people that are coming in at all different levels or any area of that spectrum.
0: Well, just to to throw a tangent at you, um, with the, the kind of diet element and gut biome as well. One of the biggest kind of, uh, aha moments, I guess I had when it came to nutrition was I started taking Bubs Naturals collagen and was absolutely amazed. Hair, nails, skin, you know, guts, uh, the, the knee injuries that I'm rehabbing at the moment. Um, what have either of you? What have what have been your perspective, if any, of, of collagen? Because I mean, that's that's not a supplement you think about normally, apart from maybe in you know facial creams and stuff. But I was absolutely amazed at the almost instantaneous effect of that t- particular supplement on
2: me personally. Yeah, I remember this was maybe maybe a year and a half ago. I did this experiment. I did uh, 36 days of super strict carnivore. And I did blood testing before I did uh, blood testing after I had it analyzed by by two guys, uh, functional medicine practitioners. And as part of that experiment, I was working with a uh, a grass fed meat company. And so I was super blessed because they basically hooked me up with bone broth and also and I was making my own bone broth as well. But basically my routine and my regimen, I wasn't using any powder, but I was drinking at minimum a quart of bone broth a day at minimum. And so I would have it morning, afternoon, night. It was my snack. A lot of times I would drink a lot more than it. And I really do believe that that in addition to organ meats were probably the two biggest things, hands down that I noticed in terms of improving energy. And the biggest thing for me, and you know, what you were saying, James, about rehabbing your knee. So I've got a knee issue as well. And one of the biggest things that I noticed probably within, I don't know, for sure, for sure, five days, but let's just say five to seven days, Was normally when I get out of bed in the morning, like I feel energized, like I feel I would say overall pretty good. Like my baseline is I feel generally really good. No real pain, some knee just stiffness and stuff. But what I realized is I could get out of bed literally and hop into the gym. Now, I always like warming up. But if I wanted to grabbing a light kettlebell or a Bulgarian bag, if I wanted to do some explosive movement and hop into the bottom of a squat or an overhead squat, I could literally do so uh at the instantaneously without feeling any restriction and so for me i think the biggest thing that i noticed from adding collagen into the diet was reduced warm up times and then literally i could get right into the most challenging positions that before i'd be like oh i need to maybe need to roll out a little bit need to do some 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 pelvic or some spine mobility work and so that was the biggest thing for sure organ meat and, and bone broth so i'm seeing the same stuff mm-hmm. And what about you, Danielle, from a you know dietetics perspective?
1: Yeah, and, and I'll uh, echo Mike, and I guess you as well, but definitely um, collagen, organ meat, um, hands down, mm-hmm. probably some of the most powerful nutritional tools you can use to start bolstering your overall health, but also just your digestive health. I mean, it's going to help to repair that intestinal lining, which um, – If you have a damaged intestinal lining or, you know, what's sometimes termed the leaky gut, you're going to have more food sensitivities. You're going to have more inflammation. You're going to have more things leaking through, um, toxins and just different things leaking through into your bloodstream that shouldn't be uh, that or are going to be damaging to your health and wellness and also make you feel like crap. So um, talk about just... uh, brain health and and it's directly correlated to your gut health. So, not only are you going to feel your tummy is going to feel better, maybe your joints are going to feel better, but your brain's also going to be working better. Your moods are going to be better because an inflamed brain is a depressed brain. And so all these things like we I think I feel like we just keep repeating ourselves. It's all interconnected. And so, again, and I think that's the beauty of it. You can start just making small changes. Hey, if it's starting to use some collagen powder or drink some bone broth and that's the change you want to make,
2: do it. Go for it. You're,
1: you're moving along that spectrum now and you're doing something to support and protect your health.
0: Absolutely. What well, I'm very holistic in. My training and my kind of self analysis i get you guess you 'd say as you can see here, no wedding rings, no watches, nothing so i 'm not a big fan of wearable technology just because of my own personal ability to wear things and or you know constantly have uh, you know data but that being said, there are a huge Portion of the population that that's a huge advantage it's just a huge tool, whether it's motivating someone to get steps, whether it's to analyze h r v so talk to me about the two wearable elements to to the program
1: yeah um right before I do that, I will just make a comment about the the whole wearable thing is I was at Christmas dinner with some you know our little orphan christmas dinner the other day at our a couple that we we do a lot of mountain biking with, and he was he wears um Oh shoot. What is that thing called? God, I'm terrible. Um, I'm always terrible with names, but I feel like I'm especially, um, it's something that I don't use, but anyway, it just measures the amount of miles you go and the elevation gain and, uh, hours of riding. And I forget what it's called, but everyone out there is probably like, Oh, it's this. Um, but anyway, he was talking about every year he makes a goal of how many miles he's going to ride. And he was like 64 miles away from, finishing from hitting that goal by the end of the year. But that's something that that wearable or that tracking device is something that is really motivating to him to to keep riding and get his miles. And um, so so I think, like you said, with the wearables, it can be really motivating for people. I've also had people in past um, wellness programs with firefighters that they're wearing an Aura Ring, which is one of the tracking devices that we use that They were getting their sleep data back and they were just getting really, um, turned off by it and, um, and and really sad about it. Like my sleep just sucks. Like, I don't want to wear this anymore. Um, so, I mean, it can also work in the other direction, especially if there's not enough education going along with it. So the two wearables that we use is one, an aura ring, and that's just, a um, it's kind of like a Fitbit that you wear on your finger. It's a little bit more accurate because it's using the digital pulse for um, heart rate. They just came out with a new version that also measures the heart rate sort of during the day. Um, But it's not like a Fitbit where you can wear it and it's going to be tracking your heart rate um, all the time. And so um, and with an accelerometer, how much you're moving. And so it's not going to be great for tracking like the amount of calories you're burning during exercise. Um, But it is great for looking at your data when you're sleeping. And so measuring resting heart rate, measuring what's called heart rate variability, or that every time your heart beats, there's um, a pause between each heartbeat. And you want that pause to be variable. You want it to be a little bit different every time. And the more variability you have in your heartbeats, they have found the healthier you tend to be, the more resilient you tend to be to stressors, um, and the quicker you'll recover. And so um, we use heart rate variability, resting heart rate. It's also measuring respiratory rate, which if you're stressed, if you're overtraining your respiratory rate, you're going to be breathing more, you're going to be over breathing. Most people are over-breathers, and that's why we're teaching nasal breathing, to get people to breathe less and, doing, and teaching some breathing exercises. Um, it's also measuring body temperature. They actually used aura Ring and some COVID studies to predict the onset of people getting ill from uh, COVID. Um, and then it's also measuring um, uh, your sleep patterns, I would say. It's it's an algorithm, so it's not like going into a sleep lab, but it's looking at how much um, deep sleep you're getting, how much REM sleep you're getting, how much um, how much you're awake during the night, how much light sleep, and then total hours of sleep. So we can start to look at trends in your sleep and start to look at your sleep quality. And the reason we like using this is because not to look at the data specifically every day and go, or even um, overall like, oh, my sleep compared to, you know, Larry, my sleep is terrible or my HRV is really low or my heart resting heart rate's really high, but it's to look at, okay, as we're going through this journey in this program and we're experimenting with different aspects of health and wellness and your lifestyle, how are things changing? How is your heart rate variability changing? It's starting to eke up. Um, how you're doing this, this breath work training with, with Mike is your respiratory rate starting to lower? Are you breathing a little bit less? Um, Oh, you're taping your mouth at night. Well, how did that change your respiratory rate or your HRV or your sleep, um, or how you're sleeping? And so we can start to look at trends and we can start to see how making certain changes, how implementing certain new habits, how that's affecting your health and wellness. So it's kind of like, a little way that we can look into your body and see what's changing physiologically without having to wait till you're a cadaver. So um, the other piece of technology that we're using is specifically to look at sleep. Um, And that's called an Eversleep. And it's just a little, I should have put it in here, but it's a little device. You just wear it on your finger and like a little watch. Um, And it's measuring your, um, your pulse rate. It's measuring your O2 saturation it's measuring breathing events. Um, So if you stop breathing for a period of time um, and it's measuring movement also has an accelerometer. And then the app is also uh, measuring snoring. What we like to use it for is not as like a home sleep study. We like to use it as a screening tool because we know that sleep apnea is, um, I think it's about a quarter to 30% of firefighters that they looked at, the study was like 7,000 firefighters, Um, about a quarter, 30%, it might've been a little bit higher than that that actually, um, tested positive for uh, obstructive sleep apnea. And so we know that puts you at a higher risk for things like, uh, you know, sleep apnea is basically a carcinogen. Um, It's going to increase, you know, depression, blood sugar abnormalities, and so on and so forth. So we want to screen for that. And so when we, when we did our um, pilot study, we actually had three people that had breathing interruptions that were higher. And so past where we, the point where we kind of the cutoff point of what we consider healthy. And so we referred those people to go see their doctors and get a sleep study. One of them was actually on a CPAP. And I think he stopped breathing at one point. It was like 25 times per hour. Um, so pretty bad, and his O2 sats were in like the 70s. Um, so pr- really bad, yeah, I mean, we definitely don't, if, they won't let you out of the oxygen if your oxygen saturation is less than 88%. So, so pretty bad, right? And so, he, so it's just a screening tool that we use. Um, and this information does not go to the department, it stays between us and the participant or the member, and we let them know directly Hey, here's what's going on. Here's what we saw, and that information never goes to the department. We give the department um, a a report at the end, just as a summary of the group's data, but nobody's individual data. So we really try to keep that privacy intact um, because we want to build and maintain trust with um, with participants.
0: Beautiful. Well, that's great to hear. Like I said, that I saw. Um it worked well and this wasn't either of those two products it was just a cheap Fitbit but my last place the HR actually the HR wellness uh gave free cheap Fitbits to everyone and I there was some sort of incentive program where you could get Amazon gift cards and like I said I don't wear it. If I got one and bought a Shakeweight, I would probably got a Range Rover by the end of the year. But uh, that's a whole different story. <laughs> but, uh, but no, but I did see people who would normally sit in the chair making a phone call, walking around the station making a phone call, you know. So it really did just that element, the motivation. And my son has a Garmin watch that has – you can play Spotify through your headless, I mean, your headless, your, your wireless, um, headphones. So now he can run without holding his phone. So there's some really good wearables. But again, like you said, the HRV understanding, for example, when you come off shift, is this a good day to, you know, to, to do a harder workout? Or is this one where I just walk the dog, as Mike was saying? So I think there's, there's so much to glean from it. If, as you mentioned, the, the right education is given to interpret it and not, um, you know, just, just be completely, um, analyzing, you know, constantly, you've got to kind of take the lesson from the wearable and then set it aside and then and then you know use it as as a tool rather than a be-all and end-all.
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And oh, I was just gonna say in the aura ring gives you what's called a readiness score, which um takes into consideration what your sleep was like, your HRV, resting heart rate, body temperature, all this. And it gives you a score from I don't think anyone's ever gotten a zero, but zero to hundred. And, um, and so we do give some guidance on what to do when you have a certain score, but the other thing is we do talk about kind of that between tour time. So what happens, you know, depending uh, our example is, you know, um, the four days off that you have. So what do you, what is, what might that look like if you're really supporting your health and wellness and what is some guidance and parameters that you can use, um, you know, such as, you know, your readiness scores and how much sleep you got the night before it and so on and so forth. And and then that can guide you on what you're going to be doing in those four days to support your body in recovery, and then also preparation for that next tour. Mike, you were going to say
2: yeah. And for, for, for those people that might, maybe this sounds a little intimidating. <laughs> uh, I'll just say it, it's really not. And then the other thing too, like I am a fan of technology, but it should not be a crutch. I think it can provide some helpful insights, but all that to be said, like, especially one of the things we, we did with the individual program is if you have technology, great, but the whole t- the whole program is designed around breathing. And so we take people through what's called a bolt test that uh, Patrick, I'm sure will, will explain a lot about, but it's called a body oxygen level test. And that's how you can do it with no tech. It's just a, basically a, a breath hold time test, a, a test for breathlessness and then i give recommendations on all the workouts on how to modify just simply based off of this test that literally will take 40 seconds or less basically so even if you don't have technology or you didn't want to invest in it we've definitely got you covered on that and uh i totally understand i think technology can be a great great tool like everyone like we're saying right now with the education and if it's not something you're ready to invest in your breath is 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 the one resource that you do have that is free and that's something that you can rely on every time, and we help you throughout that as well.
0: Beautiful. Well, I want to hit on one more area with you, Mike, before we talk about you know where people can find you. Um, you touched on if there is a a lack of mobility or some sort of sort of issue um strength you know de- deficit whatever it is that you do have programs to help push forward through that too or not push forward it's a terrible choice of words to kind of address those imbalances address that immobility so that you can then kind of steer towards the ideal um Ability to do the program. So, what does that look like? So, you've got a firefighter, and and they don't have good overhead. Over, oh my god, overhead range of motion. You know, what would that kind of tangent look like on the program?
2: Yeah. So, there, there's two screening tests that I've got. One is for shoulder impingement, and one's called just a, an overhead arm raise test. And basically, you can do that on your own. We give you guidance in terms of what is, for example, a pass fail, what things to look out for, and then, for example, if you don't, if you're in pain. That's the first thing go see obviously a qualified person like get that thing checked out that goes without saying if someone's in pain in addition to going to see someone I'm going to say hold off on the overhead movements until you get that in a better spot and in the meantime I've got a specific mini program for shoulder health. Uh, just to improve the balance of the shoulder. So basically improving the supporting muscles around the shoulder. There's some stuff for rotator, there's stuff for example, for the rhomboids, which for me is one of the most important muscles to actually pull the shoulder blade and the shoulder girdle back into better alignment. It's also one of the most important muscles to better align head, neck posture and where the head and neck is and how the shoulder alignment is, that's absolutely gonna affect overhead range of motion and stability, et cetera. So with those two screening tests, especially provided someone's without pain or even if they are, we've got some direction as well as some suggestions to go as they're going through the program on certain lifts to avoid until it's in a better spot. But that mini shoulder rehab program, literally that's something I would recommend that someone do at least three times a week. Uh, And then in addition to that as well, there's a whole breath work and mobility segment that if somebody literally just did, if they had some shoulder restriction, range of motion, like let's say one arm, uh is severely more restricted than the other like you can't really raise your arm fully overhead without compensations then that shoulder program which you can do in probably less than 20 minutes that the warm-up and just being mindful around avoiding overhead movements or modifying slightly it will improve like the shoulder range of motion stability will improve dramatically if someone just followed those recommendations. So those are some insights in how we do it, you know, with firefighters specifically, as I was talking about earlier, shoulders and low backs, at least in my experience, were the two most common injuries. And so maybe later I'll create a specific low back health program. There's specific low back stretches and there's a whole flexibility component as well that people can do. That's all to benefit the shoulder and or the low back. But right now, because of the needs of from pulling the hose off the rig to ceiling pulls to throwing a ladder, whatever it is, the shoulder is, you know, the shoulder is such a complex joint. I mean, there's there's actually five joints in the shoulder. Most people just think it's the ball and socket, the glenohumeral joint, but you actually have five other joints. You have the AC joint, the uh, the AC joint, the SC joint, the subscapular joint, the glenohumeral joint. Uh, you have the scapulothoracic joint. There's actually five joints that all work in harmony. And if you have any range of motion or any instability in one, any one of those, you're going to affect everything else. And so, just a quick shoulder program with the warm up will improve someone's shoulder health tremendously. Brilliant. Well, I mean, it sounds like it's such a comprehensive. And as you said, like, there's
0: no one size fits all. So it's immersive as well. But these are some of the roadblocks that people hit, you know, there, it's just a strength conditioning program, they're not talking about sleep or mindfulness or, you know, nutrition, or here's a program. Oh, this hurts. Well, here's the program, tough shit, you know, so it sounds like you've really got some great kind of uh rabbit holes to go down for each individual to find their own unique path. So for people listening, I'm sure they're fascinated. I'm sure they want to, to learn more. Where are the best places to find you online um, as far as websites? And also, are there any other social media areas as well?
1: Yeah. Um, can I mention one quick thing? Yeah,
0: please. If we missed something, absolutely.
1: Well, I was just going to say, as I was listening to Mike, I was thinking about, you know, as far as like back strength and back support, just doing the breath work is going to strengthen the diaphragm, which is a major stabilizer for the back. So I don't know if Mike wants to say anything about that, but I just wanted to point that out that, you know, if you're doing even just working on your breath, like we've talked about other areas, but it's going to be a major back supporter for you.
2: Yeah, I I totally agree. Yeah. The diaphragm specifically is, is one of, depending on how you look at it, one of four to five key muscles that stabilize the spine calling the inner unit. Most people think about when stability of the spine They think about just the abs so like your six-pack the rectus abdominis that is important but that's primarily responsible for what we call gross stability of the trunk but when we're actually looking at back pain and and the, the actual muscles that inter that actually connect to the spine itself the diaphragm is the most important in my opinion stabilizing muscle you also have the transverse abdominis which think of it like your your natural corset when you breathe in and your belly expands and when you breathe out and your belly gets nice and small the muscle that's doing that is your transverse abdominis. And then on the back, you have the multifidus, which are muscles very deep to the spine. Uh, you also have the pelvic floor, which everybody forgets about (laughs) every, nobody trains the pelvic floor, but, but just by training your breathing, I mean, breathing will affect all of those muscles that we just talked about, but specifically the diaphragm is huge. It's the number one respiratory muscle. And in my opinion, it's one of the most important stabilize your muscles of, of the inner unit. So just that, as Danielle was saying, we'll, we'll have a huge carryover. Beautiful. So then
0: with that, like I said, I mean, there's, there's such a wealth of information. Obviously, there's so much more that people can learn from. Um, where where first can people find the program so they can learn more about it and then reach out to you if they do want to go ahead?
1: So if you go to our website, www.firstinwellness.com, um, you can find out more about our programs and just our company and who's working with us. Um, we're also on Instagram, Facebook, and, uh, LinkedIn. And I think we're also, oh, we're on Twitter too. Um, and then, uh, you can also email us with any questions and, you know, we'd love, if you want to have a conversation, we'd love to talk to you. So you can just email us at info at first in and and, um, email us anytime, and if you want to talk, we'll ring you up and look forward to having a conversation. Um, Mike, am I missing anything? Oh, our challenge—we're um, shoot—we we have a um, a page specifically for our challenge, and I have to um, look that up because I said it wrong on the last on our last um, podcast we were on. So Mike, am I missing anything while
2: I, I look for that? Yeah, so just as a reminder, the challenge starts on the 18th, which is the same date as the launch of the fitness program. And the challenge is, is totally free. So if anyone's remotely interested, it's gonna focus on breath work. We're gonna take you through the bolt test that I talked about earlier. I'm gonna take you through a body weight fitness exercise. We're gonna test where your gas tank is, where your legs are. I always say like legs and lungs are like two of the most important things that I'm looking to develop in athletes, specifically in firefighters, legs and lungs. And a healthy body and then the third thing is going to be how to recover and you can use the recovery exercise for breathing in terms of whether you get off a stressful call or you had to do some type of just strenuous event whatever it is you can go ahead and do that it's going to take less than 30 minutes and i would love to have as many people as possible on there and then you guys can also get the recording as well so whether you can't make it live go ahead and just sign up for it you'll get the recording after and you can follow and you can utilize this uh forever basically all and right. then, go for it danielle no go ahead do you, you have the website
1: i do but go ahead
2: no 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 i'm all good
1: okay so it's just our um our website firstinwellness.com uh or first in wellness backslash pages backslash challenge and i'll give that to um to you james so you can just put it in the notes.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. Well, I I want to thank you again. Firstly, like I said, individually the conversations were amazing in our previous episodes. But to hear the dynamic, to hear you know your perspective, because obviously you are you know well versed in the civilian population and and my population as well. But it's a unique perspective, and I think in the white noise, it is every single trainer having something out there on on the internet now. It's important for us to understand, like you know who. Who are the, who are the the groups, the the companies, the organizations that we should be looking for? Um, you know, as the kind of the top tier of first responder wellness, and you guys are definitely in that tier. So, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to come on the podcast again, and I'm excited for the release on the 18th. Cool. Thank
2: you so much for having us on. Super appreciate it.
1: Yeah, thank you so much for having us on. And thanks for all you do. I mean, James, you are just like such a powerful voice. I was telling Mike about your book too.